They're someone you should definitely look up to. You are listening to the Assistant Principal's Office, the podcast dedicated to inspiring, equipping, and empowering you as you serve in education. Get ready. Let's go. Your planning hour is in session, baby. And now, here's your host, Principal P, the MC. MC. Welcome to another episode of the Assistant Principal's Office. And it's your boy, Principal P, the MC. And you know what it is. We are here for another edition of the APO, where we talk about all things education. And we really try to break it down and provide parents and families and you with some valuable information and valuable insight into the educational realm. So today, I have someone that I'm very proud to have in the office today. She goes by the name of Auntie Soul. Her birth name is Nicole Pinckney. And I have known, yeah, that's right, I got you. And I have and I have known her for X amount of years. We go way, way back. I think almost close to about 15 of them things. It's been a minute. And yeah, so we went to college together and she's gonna drop some science about her experiences in the educational spectrum and what you can do to avoid some of the pitfalls and all that good stuff. So without further ado. Let's talk about you. Tell us who you are, Nicole. Welcome to the APO. Oh, man. I appreciate you for having me, Marlon Parker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was using the full government these days. Uh, but no, nah, straight up, I, I appreciate you, P. Like, Word. this is a very important space, right? It's the bridge between educator, um, parent, and student. Mm. It's very rare that these spaces happen. And I just want to commend you for taking the time to understand the need and and following through on that. Because I know sometimes it can be difficult to be in a position and also speaking about a position at the same time. Um, so shout out to you, P, for just for being yourself. I appreciate being here. Um, shout out to... Dr. Gary, okay? Dr. Gary, the episode was very powerful for me. I ain't even going to stunt. I sat there and listened to that whole thing and shed a tear. And um, very impactful, the words that y'all spoke. And I'm just, I'm honored to be here. Myself, I am Nicole. I am Cole. I am Soul. I am Auntie Soul. Um, I am a woman who has been working in education for quite some time now in different aspects and have seen quite a few things. And I think that, again, this, this space is so important and I'm just very eager to share. So right. Thank you for having Thank you for being here. What, what are some of the things that you've seen throughout your years? Oh, you know what, before we get into that, in what, in what capacities have you worked in, in the educational space? Okay, so leaving CSUSB, which was the foundation of me even deciding to work in education in the first place, um, shout out to this woman whose name I can't even remember, but I was working in uh, the psychology office out there, like a work-study place, and there were some students, some smaller students that would come in there, and I would interact with them, and she suggested to me... uh, you should get a, a, a summer job. You would be really good at this summer camp and this and this and this. And 
I did, and I had an amazing time. I didn't even get paid for it. It was like a volunteer mm. thing, and it kind of jump-started my, uh, my endeavors as an educator. Um, I started off in after-school program and kind of worked my way all the way up to um, teaching K through five. I've uh, worked in SPED. I've worked in admin. I've worked um, as a teacher for um, ooh, kindergarten, first grade, uh, second grade. Uh, I, I worked in middle school for a little bit, but that was that was an experience in and of itself. But that was in Los Angeles. And then now being um, <laughs> moved to Atlanta and now working as a kindergarten and first grade teacher at um, an African-centered school, uh, which basically just means it's just non-traditional um, with using the principles um, that are African-centered. So Sankofa principles and things like that. So uh, yeah, I've, I've seen, oh, I've also been like a live-in nanny. I've done the homeschooling thing. Um, when I first moved to Atlanta, that was a very unique experience. So. I've seen a lot of, a lot of sides. So, yeah, I see yeah. you've um, done quite a bit. You got a well-rounded resume. Yeah, not as oh, much. Oh no, nah, man! I just, <laughs> man, I don't done it all, man. <laughs> Instructional aid, yeah, sub sub custodian. I don't, I don't clean toilets at schools, man. Real talk. Yeah, Real man. talk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about the your experiences in in Los Angeles. Um, what are some? Okay. How was that compared to Atlanta? Because I know each state is different. Like education is something that's covered definitely. or that is o- overseen by individual states. So there's definitely some. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of comparisons. Yet there are many differences between what exists in Atlanta currently and what existed in LA formerly. So. Absolutely. Let's talk about Los Angeles. What was that like? Um, so Los Angeles and, you know, I struggle with not comparing a whole lot. Right. Because number one, every student is different. Every single student that I've ever come in contact with, uh, been in my classroom, not been in my classroom. Every student is completely different. And it wasn't until I got to Atlanta till I really recognized how true that is. So. Uh, My experience in Los Angeles is quite unique. I've worked um, in some charter schools. I worked at a private school. Um, Majority of the schools that I've worked for, however, were the largest demographic there was Hispanic. So and then in addition to um, the students demographic being primarily Hispanic, also the staff, the staffing (laughs) has been primarily Hispanic as well. So, yeah. So the last school that I worked at um, in Los Angeles, I was there for about five years. I was the only black staff member there. And I mean, we talking about the receptionist. We talking about the custodian. We talking wow. about everybody. Was this an LA, um, LAUSD yes. school? Mm-hmm. It was a charter school, LAUSD. It, uh-huh. And um, it was right by USC. And very much. And it was a Korean school. So let's let's talk about that. It was a Korean school. Um, with predominantly Hispanic students. And they had a program there that I thought was very unique and very impactful in my understanding of how culture plays a part in everything that you do. Um, The school was Korean. 
Um, so they had students who were English speaking would take the Korean course or the Korean teacher's class and students that did not speak English as a first language were learning English with a Hispanic student, I mean, a Hispanic teacher. So it was interesting. They had an exchange program where they had students from Korea that would come in and, you know, the opposite was true as well. I think they, they weren't doing it, I think, when I was there because of just issues with travel and things like that. But that at one point, they also had students that would go from that particular school to Korea just to have the exchange program and exchange of cultures. It was like a big festival around it. They would make a big deal about it. And the children were very receptive to it, you know, and, and it, it was very, very tight knit school. Very, It was a smaller school, but it was very much family feeling. Uh, everybody knew everybody. Um, the principal that was there when I first arrived left like halfway through my stay. And one of the teachers who had been there many, many years ended up being the principal. So that was really like powerful in the way that it tightened even more so the family structure in the school. Wow. Um, and it was, it was a very beautiful place. Was there um, a lot of parental involvement? I would definitely, definitely. And um, a large part of that was, it was necessary, right? There's a lot of language barriers. There's um, the neighborhood. A lot of the students lived in that neighborhood by USC. So they were walking to school. So a lot of parents were there often just because they were walking their students to school. Um, a lot of the parents would volunteer there for different events. Um, there were even some parents that were on the, the staff. So very much so a lot of parent involvement and a lot of exchanging of cultures and, and that to me was the biggest takeaway from it all. It was like culture <laughs> before everything. Um, yeah. How do you think culture impacts um, education or a student's ability to learn more about themselves? Um, I think that students seeing themselves mm -hmm. in in what is going on in the in the class environment it motivates them to want to learn and the like is the same too you know it's like if they see something that is intriguing to them maybe it's not a part of their culture but it's it's cultural and it's in it's enticing to them or it's something that could be like oh wow this is interesting i didn't know that i i eat these foods and this food is from this place let me learn more about this place um i just noticed that they were kind of subconsciously implanting the idea of culture as means of, okay, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what your, your culture is. And this is um, the reason why you should be learning these things so that you can take this information back to mm -hmm. your homes. Because a lot of the times these parents were not reading, they were not helping them with their homework. They were not able to. So it almost gave the students a different responsibility in learning because it's like, okay, I'm seeing that I'm making these connections at school that I don't see at home. And how can I use this information to expand the minds of people that are at home so that we can share it together? Um, these concepts were not just for the idea of, of test scores. The the concepts were for life. Like they needed it mm. to live. 
and they they drove that home a lot. Like this is something that you're going to be using in your life, and not just in a school wow. setting. You've you've always been a very cultural person, through my eyes. Um, where did you go to school at? Like high school. Um, so my my personal background is I went to private school my whole life. So I grew up Catholic. I grew up in the Catholic school. I went to school in Compton. Shout out to St. Albert the Great, man. They poured into me in ways that I didn't even recognize until much later on in life. Majority of my teachers mm. were black. Um, even the nuns, you know, I had For nuns real? as teachers. Those nuns mm. were black. All my, all Sister my teachers. Sister Mary Clarence? Part, I think I had one teacher. For real? Sister, I, yo, I keep telling everybody. <laughs> I keep telling everybody. My life literally looked like Sister Act 2. No BS. And, and... With the exception of the fact that I didn't see any white nuns. I didn't know that that was a thing for real until I got older. But um, yeah, majority of the nuns at the school were black. They were from New Orleans. I had a Belizean nun. I had, you know, I was learning about uh, culture there and didn't even re- and didn't even realize it. You know what I mean? So um, smaller classrooms, a lot more of an intimate setting. My mom and my grandparents who were raising me were very, very close with all the teachers. If anything ever happened, they would just pick up the phone and be like, you know, I'm going to call your mom right now. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so that was a big thing. And then from there, so I, I went to that school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And then high school, I went to Queen of Angels, which was once Regina Chaley, um, an all-girl Catholic high school. And then that was the final year of it being opened. Once that school closed, I went to St. Mary's and graduated from there, another all-girl private Catholic school in Inglewood. Um, again, that was the first time I ever had like a white teacher. I never had a white teacher until I got to St. Mary's and we we, we gave them the blues. But <laughs> Some <laughs> hazing. Um, oh, man. And it was his oh, first year teaching. Man. And now that I'm looking back on it as a first year teacher, ooh, we gave him the blues. He came into the classroom like, what's that movie called? Uh, mm-hmm. Dangerous Minds, where the teacher tried to come in and like do some stuff. He like came in and tried to play like a Tupac song the nah, first bruh. day. We were like, bro, I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't even know do you, this. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the problems, but um, but yeah, it it was it was very unique. My my upbringing, my educational life was very very unique. So going into education, you know, as a teacher, if you will. Um, I looked at things very differently. All these 30 student classrooms and all right. of this this right. politics and stuff. I was not used to that in my own personal life. So I'm like, this is not this is not impactful to students. This is not helping. Um, this is not helping them. This is not we're not even here to half of the meetings that I would go to weren't even about students. It was just about test scores and politics and this stuff that had nothing to do with education at all. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. That's how I got into um, SPED because I was like, well, it's smaller, like smaller groups. Um, I feel like I am actually impacting because I'm with these same few students every day. Um, I know exactly what their need is. I can provide it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not given the same, um, standards to to have to come up with these these i like to call them politics because i don't even like talking about it it's politics you know and it's extremely um, political extremely political it's so political from from my vantage point i deal with politics all day long i deal with 
this is what we should mm-hmm. do. This is what we're going to do because so-and-so is so-and-so exactly. or they're so-and-so's cousin or exactly. because we have to check, check this box mm-hmm. or whatever. And a, a lot of times yes. I find myself like a proponent of it because I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. It's just become a part of me, mm-hmm. you know, these political responses, you know, knowing I'm not going to consider anything that, that, that someone is saying just the simple, you know what, let me think about that for a second and let me get back to you on that. Knowing mm-hmm. I'm just being a, yeah. as my dad would say, a, a jive turkey and not really <laughs> even considering, <laughs> you know, what they are <laughs> proposing. But so smaller, smaller classroom settings, uh, all black staff. That's what made you who, who you are, right? Definitely. It was a big part. It's a very big part. And even just the idea of having black teachers, I did not understand that a lot of the people that I would later meet in college or um, even the staff members of the few black teachers that I did run into during the course of my time at these different schools never experienced. Having I didn't black get a teachers. black teacher until you know, so I was a lot in of college. Them- and, and yeah, and that includes really? my L.A. and I.E. schooling. I didn't have a black male, not a black, I'm oh. sorry, a black male teacher. I didn't have one until I was okay. Okay, college. I can see that because I I had maybe two. And his name was Pro- wow. Professor Tatum. That's deep. And he was a G. He was so cool, and it it really impacted me to see that because knowing that I wanted to go into education more mm. or less, and seeing him in his position and just how he rocked it, how he would show up in a hoodie, you know, and just all these things. Mm, and he, he really brought himself to the, his profession so I told myself when I got into that role and I had that same opportunity I would just be me so you step you step into my office man I got yeah. Malcolm up there I got Garvey like I, I I have these 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 elements of that me part. within my day-to-day and that's that's the reason mm. why so I only wish that I could have experienced that at a younger age so do, are you do you think that would have changed your uh, view of being an educator had you had those black teachers or black male teachers? I probably wouldn't earlier? have been in education at all. I I imagine Ooh, that that's a, that's I would a have pretty. been in touch or been in contact with people who would have been promoting me being me instead of telling me the things that I'm not good at. They would have been pushing me towards the things that I am good at, which would have led me out of the classroom and into more of a space of probably mm. public speaking, similar to what we're doing now, and entrepreneurship, similar to what I'm doing now. But I'm doing this at 39, and I could okay. have been doing this at 19. Okay. But all in divine right. time, MP. Like, and that's an honest, that's a very honest thing to say. And you know, I'm going to keep saying that to you like you're in a very unique position right now and I think that this experience that you're having at 39 or not you know is impacting some young man you know some young man right now if it's not if even if it's just Mm -hmm. your son (laughs) you know what I mean like there's there's some reason why you didn't have those experiences until now and there is some uh you know with every cause there's an effect that effect is going to be someone some ones with an s i think it's definitely more than one um young man who's going to see this and be like okay 
I can do it differently. I can, I can do it my way. I don't have to do it this way. And it wouldn't have happened had you not had these experiences. Right. So I appreciate you. Always. You know me. Way. I keep it as factual as I can. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to g- g- get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Laced is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore upgrade your sneakers with a black owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at getlacelaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces within certain parameters. <laughs> that's, that's that's I was gonna say, that's that's a yeah, fact, yeah. You know? okay, okay, so. So we're um, talking about culture. We're talking about yeah. you know, schooling and having African American or Black people to uh, educate you and and to kind of push mm-hmm. that culture in, inside of you. What's happening in the A? What's happening out in Atlanta with you? Um, there's a lot happening, and to be quite honest, I don't know if I'm really the best person to talk about it in this moment. Um, just because um, the position that I have teaching right now, I really just began. And because it's not in the Atlanta School District, um, I don't necessarily get to have to wrestle with some of the, the, the obstacles that are in the Atlanta School District. There's a lot of, very much like LAUSD, very much like LAUSD. However, it's, it's different because majority of these students are Black. You know, so we have a different layer of um, sets of issues when it comes to breaking down the education system than most other cultures may not necessarily have to deal with. And um, yeah, based on what I think it's zones, I don't know if it's called county, it's, it's set up a little different, but the, based on what zone you're in um, will determine what type of education you will have. And, you know, some zones are 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 known for having really great education systems. And then some are like, don't go to this school. Don't go. Don't live in this county because you only have or don't live in this zone because you only have these choose these uh, choices of schools and you don't want your student to go there. I've heard some things, you know, and um, there is. I will say that I've seen a lot of, I've met a lot of black educators in Atlanta, which makes me happy. Um, But I also know that there is a a big need right now for more educators. And when I say more educators, educators who see the need and can feel that and are not scared to step outside of what has been going on and be what impactful is, to these what students. What is the need? And even What's the need? Uh huh. Go ahead. The need is culture. <laughs> the need is culture. Um, uh, I think that 
<clears throat> just like you said, had you seen black, you know, even the one um, black teacher that you had, just seeing him come to school in a hoodie, that was impactful enough to you to see like, okay, I've never seen any other teacher come to school in a hoodie like this. Like that, that already translated something to you before he even said anything before he even, I don't know. I don't know what subject he taught, but I guarantee you probably were a little more tuned in than maybe other teachers classrooms just because of that one small thing that whatever he chose to wear when he walked out the house. So imagine if he would have came to school with a, with a hoodie that said, uh, Group mm. economics <laughs> or um, black privilege, Alice. like the one I have on right now, or you know something like that. It would it would be like, huh? What does that mean? You ask about it. He talked to you about it, and then boom, that there's a connection, right? There's already a you've already fulfilled one need, and that is the curiosity of something that is a reflection mm. of you. And I think that kind of jumpstarts the 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 mind of these young people to be like okay now i want to learn now i'm willing to sit down and listen to what you have to say because i either respect you now or i connect with you now or i see that you care about me in a different type of a way and um i'm not just a number to you because i think that 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 was from a lot of people that i've talked to um in atlanta that have gone to these schools they it's something that I have heard quite a bit is that I just felt like I was just like in the class and I was just a number and they would kick me out because I would, you know, do whatever. And then, you know, it's just, it's just this perpetual cycle of like, you don't care. So I don't care. And so I don't care. And so you don't care. And you don't care. And I don't care. And I don't care. And you don't care. And then no one learns anything. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that that has a, a big part of it. It's just seeing yourself, seeing yourself in a classroom enough to mm. spark something. And is so you're working in SPED now or? Uh, right now I am working. This is traditional classroom. Uh, well, somewhat of a traditional classroom, kindergarten and first grade. Um, classroom is very small. I have like eight students. <laughs> You know what I mean? And um, we are learning, currently learning about the solar system by means of mm. learning about different crystals and the properties of those crystals and being able to make the connections of the properties of those crystals and the attributes of certain planets. And they will be taking that information and creating their own solar systems. Um that's like even that something as small as that crystal. I, I collect crystals, but I would have never been able to talk about those things maybe in a classroom setting in this way. Um, in the past, you know, teachers would have thought that that was you know excessive or you know I don't know all kinds of things, right? So um, I think that where was I going with this? I think that. This classroom, this this particular school, uh, because they honor the principles of uh, the seven principles of Kwanzaa, um, the principles of mm. um, Sankofa, and constantly talking about that throughout the day. Everything is 
is all, everything is a lesson, right? It's not just in the classroom, it's throughout the whole day, even during lunchtime, talking about how sacred it is to be eating. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a sacred act to be taking food that has been prepared by a person and how the energy of that person that prepared your food is now you're being impacted by that energy because you're eating it and it's going to fuel you for the rest of the day and understanding like you need this fuel to be able to finish out your day. Um, and these are kindergartners. We're talking about five and six years old and they understand those concepts, <laughs> you know, and um, just it's, it's, it's a very, very different from anything that I've ever done working in education. I had to completely relearn, mm -hmm. unlearn and relearn right. like who I am as a teacher because this is this is not this is very unique. Non traditional. Um but I want to go back to non traditional. I want to go back to um my experience in LA um working in SPED specifically with IEP students, right? So we so for those that don't know, an IEP is an individualized educational program, right? That is created for a student for a lot of any type of reason you could really think of for real. Um, typically, it's like, let's say that there is um, some type of social, um, social anxiety or um, the need of being able to be closer mm -hmm. to the board because their eyes, you know, they don't have the best sight or there's some type of physical um, disability where the you know the student can't go to PE because they you know don't have the physical um, capabilities to be able to do the activity. So they have like it's individualized for them to be able to learn the thing, the concepts of what they're doing, but not necessarily have to do it in that exact same way. And what I learned from that is that mm. every student needs an IEP. I don't care if you are a straight A student. I don't care if you are you know, on the spectrum, whatever, you know, you classify a, a student to be, I think that is, that was my biggest takeaway from it is every single student needs an individualized educational program because not every student learns the same way. Even if you just break down the way in which a student learns, like if they're an auditory mm -hmm. learner, if they're a kinesthetic learner, um, they're a visual learner, if there's some type of hybrid of, you know, two different types of learners, how can you put together a lesson that is going to be for an entire class of 30 students and say, this is what it is. This is what I'm doing. All y'all learn it. It would be the equivalent of like making dinner for the whole block and being like, yo, this is what y'all eating. And then not considering that there's allergies, there's different wow. dietary restrictions, <laughs> there's different types of yeah. likes and preferences and things like yeah. that. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do that. You yeah. could do it. You could do it, right? But everybody uh, ain't going to eat. <laughs> Everybody's not going to eat. Hey, that's you a know? great so analogy. So I would say that. That is a great analogy. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 that was my biggest takeaway. It's like, it's just, it's difficult for an educator to be given the responsibility of having this big old, first of all, big old classroom. You got 30 students in the classroom. I've seen it before. Um, and expecting all 30 students to learn the exact same way. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it doesn't work like that. You and I, even though we are both educators, we both black, we grew up in California and all this stuff, we have similar may, maybe backgrounds or whatever like mm -hmm. that. 
but we don't learn the same. <laughs> you know, we, we put a paper in front of both of us. We would read it right. and we would take. I, I don't. From it I don't learn the same right? as my brother because that's the way grew up in the same household. So I completely exactly. Under, 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 exactly. understand that. I understand that. Um, and I used to have. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I had troubles dealing with that same situation because when I was teaching, I had mm. to constantly modify assignments to meet students needs you know and it was not the easiest thing to do not the, but it was something that i did oh. because i understood the impact of it as opposed to simply just giving out one one method one one way and expecting all students mm-hmm. to just be able to do that because that's not realistic so but that's what's happening in classrooms across at least in my in my experience. But imagine you had the well, desire to do that, right? You chose to make those those accommodations. Not every not every educator is doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I not think, every educator is doing I think that. Most are. It's just difficult. I think that in a consistent setting with with some consistency, I think that very very definitely. Few are consistently doing that but that's just from my own experience i don't know what's happening in places where i haven't been but yeah i, I yeah. man every student needs one wow wow what does that what does that look like does that yeah, does that I look think, like I think every every student having a case carrier or 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 are you just talking about just <laughs> Dang, the modifications me. to assignments I would say to start with modifications to assignments, right? Because like even what you just said right now about you making modifications to assignments for students. Okay, so you understood the need, but let's say, let's take you out of it. I don't even know you. I don't know you. You're a man. You're an educator. You're in a place. Let's say the modifications that you're making to those lessons aren't still are not mm-hmm. connecting with those students for whatever reason. You know, like you, your intentions are there but maybe it's just still not connecting for whatever reason. I think that it really starts from the moment that the teacher is being educated on how to educate these students, how mm. to do that, how to, how to make those modifications, what to do to make those modifications. Like right now, uh, my students, all the students get different homework every night. <laughs> I'm not giving the same stu- all the students the same homework every night. I'm just not doing it because although we're all learning the same concept together, if I give you an assignment where you're just writing something and there's a student who can't sit still long enough to write it, that does not mean that that student doesn't understand the concept of what we're learning. You're just not able to put it on paper because that's not your learning style. So I don't give students the same homework, none of them. And I think that the modifications to assignments is necessary, but I think it starts at the top. It start it starts at the way in which educators learn how to be educators and what that would look like. But because that's not necessarily being talked about, you know, mm. we're kind of freestyling it low key. Like we're kind of freestyling it. And um, because we're freestyling it, no matter what the intention is, there's a possibility that our freestyle is actually kind of <laughs> making things worse. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? It's a possibility yeah. that I'm actually doing more harm than good. 
And, um, you know, and not to say that that's, that's always the outcome, but I mean, we have to take those things into consideration. These are people's children. <laughs> this is so much child that is going to be impacted by whatever, whatever interaction that they have with you, whatever their experience is. And I think y'all even talked about this, in, um, on episode with Dr. Gary, um, you know, some students mm-hmm. already come in there with a certain attitude about what they think this experience is going to yeah. be like based on past experiences or based on what their parents have told yeah. them or based on what other students have told them. And they already come in there with a certain mind frame. And then you come in there and you say, OK, do this. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And they're like, yeah, nah, I'm not doing that <laughs> or I'm not doing mm-hmm. it like that. Or I can't do it like that. And I'm not going to tell you that I can't mm-hmm. do it like that because you don't care anyway, you know? And, and, you know, like, so that maybe, maybe my intentions are good, but I'm not necessarily connecting with the student to find out, well, what, what do they need? I see what's going on. I see that they're having a hard time in this particular, uh, you know, subject or this particular concept. But I'm not asking them. I'm just kind of seeing what's going on and, and assessing for myself and making my own modifications based on what I think that they need instead of going to maybe a deeper root. <laughs> and um, I think that has a lot to do with, like I said, the head. It also has a lot to do with parents uh, bridging the gap between the educator and the parent because there's only so much that an educator can do <laughs> between the hours of eight and three, mm-hmm. what they go home to, we don't even know, you know, what, what's going on at the house and what's being enforced um, or reinforced. We don't know really for, you know, for sure, unless we're making that bridge between those two points, because what happens when they go home is like, they can go home, they can go home and wipe away everything that they just learned, come back the next day, fresh faced all over again. And now you're just like working over and over to re-educate about the same things over and over, not realizing that yeah. there's, there's, there's a breakdown somewhere. <laughs> there's something that's happening that we're not yeah, actually Yeah, because I have addressing. definitely told my um, son when he's brought home some things yeah. that I knew were just BS. I said, son, that's, that's crap. That's like, mm-hmm. do not pay that any attention. Mm-hmm. This and I've told them what's what and who's who. Uh, but that's just how I get down in my household. So I definitely could could see someone saying that about some of the exactly. things that I've told students or that I have educated students on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's tapping exactly. into the entire student, like the student as a whole. And and I believe that. There was, there was a gentleman, I think it was in Philadelphia. He had his own school, a black guy, beard. He was on some show. Um, I can't think of the show that he was on, but he was talking about he won an award. I don't know. I'm not sure who this gentleman was, but this brother here, he had created, or he was the principal yeah. of the school, and they created this like afternoon, evening class environment where kids could come in and wash their laundry. I mean, it was it was this whole student focused wow. you know, entity or um organization. And it was just amazing mm. to see. He said kids are coming there and they'll come there in the morning, they'll stay till late. They're not out there wandering the streets of Philadelphia. They're not getting into trouble. And they're here doing their homework and they're tutoring others mm. and they were learning coding and they were wow. able to do the laundry and they were able to do the homework and work with their younger siblings wow. and the parents can come pick them up. It was safe and secure and it was focused on them being the best version of themselves. And I think that that's what that's what's needed. 
especially within right. our our culture, for sure. Right. For sure. So. Uh, mm. Right. You make a student feel whole. They want to they want to learn. You don't even the text. Actually, the job like the job actually becomes easier when you are treating a student as a whole person instead of just this character that shows up in your classroom and you yeah. must, yeah. you know, because build the kids profile, know, like a video. I've had kids come you know in my office like, and tell me like, Hey, Mr. Johnson, he hates know. me. I'm like, nah, man, you know, nah, nah, nah. He don't really hate nobody. Like it's all they good. Know. And I go talk to Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson to say, man, I can't stand that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo. Okay. And they know, and that's what I'm saying. Like even, even this, this recent job that I'm, or this, this recent role that I'm, I'm playing right now as an educator at the school. I literally had to restructure my own personal life so that I can give my best to these students. I mean, I haven't worked with students as young in many years, and my patience is very different than fact. it was when I was 24. But um, I think that, yeah, I had to really tap into myself a little more deeply. And be like, all right, I need to be eating better. I need to be getting more sleep. I need to be drinking more water. I need to be making sure I'm showing all the way up as a whole person for these students. Because I remember one day I walked in, I had a gig the night before. <laughs> I'm a DJ too. Uh, I had a gig the night before and I was exhausted. And the very first thing one of my students said to me, like, Miss O, you look tired. Are you sad? No. I'm like, they know. No. They know, bro. <laughs> and then immediately the day became, it went to crap yeah. that day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They pick up on that. And um, I think a large part of it is like, you can teach a child to do anything, right? That's the whole point. They can absorb anything that they want to, though. That's the part. They can absorb any information that they want to. The question is, why do they want to? You have to present something to them that makes sense. Like, all right, you're telling me to do these things and learn these concepts and, you know, solve for X, but why do I want to do that? What do I need to know how to do that for? And if you can't translate that to them, then you lost. You lost them, you know? And I really don't think that has anything to do with, you know, structure of, of lesson plans. I mean, that's a small, very small part of it. Like what you just gave an example of the brother in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. he's tapping into them as whole people. He's tapping in, he's, he's letting them know, like, this is the reason why you need to be learning these concepts. Because when you learn these concepts, you get poured back into and you can pour into someone else and it feels good. You know, by having this structure where they can come and do their homework and have a safe place to go and wash clothes. And they're learning mm -hmm. all kinds of other things just in that space. So that, you know, turns into the classroom setting. It's like, oh, yeah, I learned your your mathematics. <laughs> I learned your mathematics in the classroom. That's fine. Um, yeah, it's just it's tapping into the whole student. And I think that that's that's all it is. For real. I think that's all Man. it is. It's the Parents Guide to School Discipline. You have children? My principal be the MC. 
Parents, do you have students in public school in California? Have you ever been confused with California Ed Code as it relates to disciplinary issues? Do you know what information the school must share with you when your student is suspended? Well, get the info you need with the Parents Guide to School Discipline where we unpack the discipline process and provide you with valuable information on how to navigate school suspensions. Pick up your guide today at PrincipalPTheMC.com. That's PrincipalPTheMC.com. All right. So what do you how do you stay on point? Like, what do you um, consume that allows you to stay so 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 sharp and in tune with everything that's going on? Um, I I don't know if I have an actual way to tap Mm. into it. I just try to keep my ear to the streets. (laughs) I just try to stay abreast on everything that's going on in the world in the city, um, you know, it's it's really just that. You know, when you have an awareness of of things around you, you can always kind of mold things to fit the times. Um, I'm grateful enough to be able to have, you know, my own business mm. while teaching. Um, so I'm incorporating the idea of being an entrepreneur in these other concepts that I'm teaching students about their life skills, you know? So using this information, like, okay, you're learning about math and science and and writing and reading and things like that. Um, You're going to need those skills if you're going to be doing whatever it is that you want to do with yourself. So I have conversations with them about what it is they like and art and, and people's lives that have been impactful and, and, um, history, a lot of history. You know what I mean? Like I recognize that although I had all these beautiful experiences um, as a child in in where I was being educated, mm. I didn't really get a lot of Black mm. history. <laughs> not not the real one, anyway. I got some Black history, but I didn't get the real of it. And um, you know, unlearning and relearning um, about my own history. And being able to uh, apply that in yeah. the classroom setting every day. So, right. to answer your question, how, how has everything that's been going on in this country, <laughs> or not like this is new? This isn't new. This is just new to some people. It's now on mm-hmm. CNN. It's now in the front mm-hmm. of everybody's mind, but has always been in our minds as a people. How has that impacted your view mm-hmm. of? education all the social things that are occurring that people are now starting to bear bear witness to how is that impacting your outlook on education and how you deal with adolescence mm, i think it's more so just the inability of, to be able to mm. hide it or the inability to be able to pretend like it don't exist because like y'all see it you know maybe in 2000 eight you know we weren't necessarily talking about the things that we're talking about right now but like you said it's always been going on but it wasn't as loud it wasn't as loud as it is right now because these children have access to social media they have access to the internet i mean i'm talking about the kindergarten and the first grade right. that have. they got a phone or they know how to use their mom's phone or um they know about mm, tiktok mm, mm. which is a whole nother child anyway but um <laughs> don't even get me started about TikTok, okay? But um, 
I think that it you just can't hide it anymore because it's like, I know you see it because they come to school talking a certain type of way. Even the idea of them having to wear masks, you know, um, is new to me because I, 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 that, yeah. But um, I think that having real conversations again is tapping into the student as a whole because they're like, okay, you're not trying to play me into believing that you don't see what's going on. Like you're talking about some real things that I know I've had feelings about. Um, and you're giving me explanations. You're not just talking about it. And, and, you know, when they, when they do, let's say, for example, <clears throat> have a conversation with me about TikTok, I don't just be like, rah, 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 rah. why are you talking about TikTok? I want to know what are y'all doing on TikTok? What are you learning on TikTok? What, what's the, what's the takeaway? You know, and let's talk about that. Let's have a lesson about that. All right. We're talking about um, dances and different things that they're seeing. Like, let's talk about the history mm. of dancing. Let's talk about the history of music. Let's talk about where where this came from. Where are they getting these ideas? Some of these songs that they know, like from the TikTok uh, videos or whatever like that, are old songs, right? Like old, old songs that most of these children weren't even born. I had a student, <laughs> I'm going to tell this funny story. I had a student tell me, that, not at the school that I'm at right now, but at a school that I was at in Los Angeles, that uh, Nick Cannon, It was. I don't know why we were talking about Nick Cannon this day. We were talking about Nick Cannon, and they were talking about Mariah Carey, like as if Mariah Carey was basically Nick Cannon's <laughs> wife, and that is it. Wow. Like, that is the only contribution that she has wow. had to culture was being Nick Cannon's wife. And I was like, now this, everything must stop in this classroom. And let me give y'all a quick, <laughs> a very quick history lesson, dear. Um, and even that, like, you know, even though that's just, that's pop culture information, that's still, that's still history, right? Because, you know, you need to know that like Mariah Carey has, has contributed to the music industry of nothing else. <laughs> Um, and black culture in ways that Nick Cannon wasn't even old enough <laughs> to be a part of. Um, so like, that's an example, but like things like that, like having real conversations with them about what it is that they're seeing and, and, and correcting some of the things that they think that they know about whatever it is that they're seeing. Um, it's important. It's important for them to know the truth about everything. You know, I think that that's that's the biggest takeaway is like they need to know the truth. They don't need to know the sugar coated version. They don't need to know the kids version there. They have access to everything. So I would much rather them get the truth from me than to be out in the streets and get some something bogus and then mm. use that, you know, to destroy themselves. So um, being a truth teller and, and, and figuring out ways to convey truth without, um, you know, mm having jaded children facts, facts. as well. In the world of knowledge, wisdom is what we need. Yeah, because they can access anything. Anything. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't lie to these kids. Yeah, the, definitely. Ah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. and they know when you lie. They call BS language. They're savage <laughs> and way more open and vocal than I was yeah, when definitely. I was a child. Well, that's because I was stuttering like crazy. I had mm -hmm. a real bad stutter, so I didn't... Oh, it was really bad. Me I didn't too. really speak... Very much. I used to. Really? I was. Yeah, it was like that. Mm -hmm. It comes out sometimes when I'm dealing really? with like alliterations that. or okay. something about that letter R. The letter R catches me slipping sometimes. So mm. most of the time, I'll speak at a certain cadence, okay. kind of like this, and take and take brief pauses, so that way I can 
think about what yeah. I'm going to say to prevent mm. the stuttering. Because when I get really excited and I really start going, oh, yeah. you don't hear it for show. I had. Did a, you have a pathologist that you worked with as a child? A pathologist. I know I took speech classes when I was when when I was young, and they had us clap on yeah, vowels, not vowels, but on not vowels, syllables. Yes, they had us clapping on syllables and things like that. Mm, syllables. But I was in there at one point, mm-hmm. just me. And who wants to be just sitting inside a classroom with an adult? I was young. This is like eighty nine, mm-hmm. ninety, and it was not the funnest thing. Yeah. So I did well enough to get somewhat exited, but I wasn't, you know, cured or healed or whatever. But mm. I learned a couple strategies along the way that have kind of helped me. And then I passed that same stuttering down to my, my son. He's still working on his strategies, but he he doesn't care. He just be talking. He just be stuttering through it. Wow. Yeah, it is. He's very, you know, he's <laughs> very dope, confident. Though. That's dope. He has a confidence, but okay. So wait, you don't feel like you you've learned anything about? Well, I think I've learned classroom setting through teaching and just you mean like as an educator or what? No, I mean like in your upbringing because I know you. I mean, oh well, you know, I I didn't know that, and I can't tell what I can do Uh without stuttering and what I can't do without stuttering, and the things that I can do, I just do it. And the things that I can't do are mm. very calculated. And sometimes I'll sit back and I'll just, hmm, hmm. But when I'm speaking gotcha. and I'm able to use my chosen vernacular, you know you know what I mean? Like when I can say whatever mm. I want to say, oh, I'm good now. But growing up, trying to fit into someone's box, mm. and even now trying to fit okay. into someone's belief in how I should speak, and the lexicon that I should use, mm-hmm. then therein lies mm. the speech issues. But it's an obstacle that I'm overcoming every day. Mm. Do every you think day. That- Which is funny because that's one of my strengths. Like mm-hmm. you give me the mic and let me just go in front of people. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. But that's why I find growing it so up, interesting. It was something that I kind of just kept right. low key because I stuttered. You know what I mean? And mm. my father, my father does as well. And he's great. He's an orator mm. because he's. But I'm the same way. We're good at what we do, but we okay. just had to simply overcome that obstacle of public speaking because right. we'd be stuttering and stuff. You know what I mean? Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. So do you think that you having um, these obstacles in your speech, do you think that that played a I part do. in I think that there were things that I could have done parts of assignments, you know, when we were given options 
do you want to present this in writing or do you want to present this, you know, orally? I typically would choose the writing. And I think that's what helped mm. me become a better writer because I would just choose anything, okay. anything instead of getting in front of the class. And there's mm. been instances where I was so terrified of being in okay. front of the class and not having a relationship with my teachers because I felt like they didn't give a damn. To where I wouldn't even present that and say, hey, can I submit an alternative assignment? Mm. I just would take the F. Like, I've taken Fs and taken classes, whole classes. I'm talking when I was a freshman. So check it out. True story. So when I was a freshman before eighth and ninth grade, we, my my parents sent my brother and I to summer school. Mm-hmm. So he needed to go, you know, and I just went because I couldn't okay. stay at home because I was always the bad child. So I couldn't stay home unsupervised. So I would go, we took the bus, went to summer school and I passed the science mm-hmm. class. So I was ahead in science. So when I was a freshman, I took like biology or sophomore science and I was in my sophomore science class. I'll never forget. I had a cool C and I had to do this presentation. It's at Etiwanda high school freshman year. And I went and I was, and I had finished the presentation and everything. And I talked myself about it all night long. I'm going to mm-hmm. go up there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. She called my name. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I took the F and took science mm. for an entire year again Wow! because of that. The second time when I got around, Would I didn't have, have to, to do it the that wasn't time? part of the, the class. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need to do that in order to pass the class. Oh, so the lesson. Okay. I just submitted some, you know, we just, slicing open frogs or whatever like it was different it was it was a different teacher she was younger she was actually a hell of a lot cooler and she didn't make that a requirement maybe she noticed that people struggled with that i don't know Mm -hmm. but yeah i I took that f man and i've never shared that with anybody so there you go people facts make that connection with you with with your kids that's deep and Mm -hmm. i think that 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 taps into the same thing we've been talking about yo like being able to tap into students as a whole person. How different would your experience have been had you had a teacher that probably recognized or saw the pattern of you not doing any oral presentation? Because I think, I mean, maybe, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you and I would have noticed that about a student and been like, okay, every single time we're supposed to do mm-hmm. something orally, you don't want to do it. Is there something that you want to talk about? Is yeah. there something, you know, and then maybe a teacher that's like, oh, I've had you know, some obstacles with speech and how different your experience yeah, would have been. Because I could have presented that, that off to the side made, during you know lunchtime I mean? or whatever. That's, but she wanted me to get in front of them. No, exactly. no, no, no. I could not do that. I was about 14 years old. That's deep. Nah. Didn't mm. necessarily have that in me at that time. But now, mm. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, P. Like, I literally did not know that. That's that's beautiful. And it's it's beautiful that, again, you're sharing this with, well, you're sharing it with your audience. But, I mean, essentially, you're sharing it with your, your students, too, because they, you can always tap into that. If you see a student that's having those issues, you can always tap into that. And, you know, Fine. those connections yeah. are essential. Thank you. I'm just essential. doing my best essential, so. to be thank more you for sharing that. vulnerable. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. So, yeah, you yeah, yeah, are. definitely. This is, this is what Even I do. Even just doing this, this show. Do. This is what I'm having fun doing. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Check it out. Mm. Where can people, where can people yeah. find you? How do people get in touch with Coley Cole? 
Um, um, okay, so I am on social media, uh, Instagram specifically, as Auntie Soul, A-U-N-T-I-E-S-O-L, like the sun. Um, you won't see anything on there by education, but you will see me DJing on there. Um, and then in the Atlanta area, I, you know, I've put together community events, um, alongside some amazing, amazing people in the community. We, we host, um, food drives and clothing drives, and we have events, uh, centered in creating space for different artists to connect with one another, um, and create an alliance of sorts where we can pour into each other. And essentially just recycling black dollars. That's really the name of the game for me at this point. I, I don't care about none of that other stuff. The only thing I care about is being able to have some group economics where we can essentially be financially independent from any structures that do not mm. um, that are not conducive that's, to our, our that sounds like as people. That sounds like so, what the honorable yes. Elijah Muhammad mm-hmm. was saying way back when. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He was on to something. <laughs> more or less I mean you know, he did some things people don't necessarily Indeed. agree with and he believed in some things that some people don't necessarily agree with but that in itself and just that just that frame is what people yeah. are on now economic self-sufficiency yeah that's Garveyism as well yeah mm-hmm. 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 yep yeah definitely Definitely. Oh, and I also want to plug, can I just plug the school that I'm at? Because they are um, actually having some other things that are going on there as well. Um, The school is called Pearl Academy. Um, It's in the city of Atlanta. Um, A wonderful, 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 wonderful woman named Mama Virgie is the principal, although she does not like to be called that, um, has been putting together these structures for students for over 20 years. Um, right now they are like one of the top leaders in the science fair for many, many years have been like just leading and embarking on some amazing, um, amazing, um, science endeavors for, for, um, the community, like I'm not even going to say the world, but the community, because that to me is more impactful. Um, some agriculture life, um, making strides in building immune systems and just just all just all types of amazing things they had some issues with um there was a a fire hydrant that busted across the street from the school and it poured into one of the buildings on the on the land and there was some issues with that the city was supposed to be replacing it and they have not that was in 2016 so um i i've I urge anyone that is in the Atlanta area that can aid with anything to do with, um, you know, we've had the, we've had the news stations come in. We've talked about things. We are in litigation right now. Um, but this space is so wonderful and the children are brilliant. (laughs) These students are brilliant and they deserve to have a space that is all for themselves and they deserve to have a space that is, um, you know, beautiful space for them to learn. Um, so I, I'm, I'm urging anyone who is out there that can give any type of insight or just hands on deck, you know, um, in the Atlanta area or abroad. Like if, if someone's not in the Atlanta area can give me more information about that, I would super appreciate that. 
Um, like I said, you can find me on Instagram, Auntie Soul. They, <clears throat> they do not have an Instagram. Pro Academy does not have an Instagram. However, if you contact me, they definitely need one. That's that's definitely next next on the list. And that's another topic of discussion too is um visibility. But yeah, um yeah. If y'all can get in contact with me, I would love to hear more about ways in which we can um support this school and uh, pour back into it the way that the school has been pouring into wow. our community for many, many years. Shout out to Pearl Academy. Um, but yeah. What is the principal's name again? Mama Virgie. Mama Virgie. Let's get that Instagram cracking. Come on, Mama. Come on, Mama. Check us out. Yeah, well, I appreciate you for coming into the APO and tapping in with your boy. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too, P, man. Thank you again for what you do, what you're continuing to do. I'm telling you right now, bro, you don't even know. Like, I remember having, like, listened to the whole last episode and being like, yo, I don't even think Marlan is aware of what this, <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> what this is about to do for black educators. <laughs> bro, this is so important. It's so special. It's so unique. Mm. It's very much like forward thinking it's definitely black it's community based it's black you know what i mean like like i said it's bridging the gap so black <laughs> um it's bridging the gap between like i said educators parents and students so everyone can take something away from this not just black educators not just parents not just students everybody has you know something here that they can they can learn from and um i think that man it's just it's very beautiful that you listened to your yourself and and follow through in your in your purpose and are sharing and being vulnerable and being willing <laughs> to be in the nah. spotlight because i know that's not necessarily your favorite place yeah. to be however you are pushing through you are being strong you're being courageous and i just i i commend you and i admire you and you're my friend and you're my brother and i just I send yeah. you so much love for you and your family. And you got a new baby. <laughs> and you just doing big things, man. I do like, DJ. Pr- Principal P, yeah, the DJ MC, everything. is a DJ you, as well. Where do you find time to do all this? My brother DJ Rock. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, thank you. Thank you for that. I, yeah. I, I, Come on, Abby. What's I up, Abby? Grind, man. I sacrifice a lot of, a lot of sleep. I try to be the best father yeah. that I can, and I just, I just mm. really just try to give everybody everything. You aren't trying, you know? you're doing it, and bro. Even if that takes away from from me, and I do have moments where I'll just mm. physically just crash. Like I fall asleep on the couch randomly, probably three to four mm. days a week. I'll be up one one moment and I'm just gone. But that. Being so focused mm-hmm. on providing for others and giving people what they need, it takes away the time that I would normally just BS on things that aren't really mm-hmm. productive. You know, like I don't really watch a whole bunch of TV. When I do watch TV, it's really just background noise. Like I'll turn on Martin okay. because I'm not really watching Martin. I'm just mm-hmm. listening to it. And it's something that That's when I have so. 30, 40 seconds to glance up, I can hear something funny yes. or see something that yeah. I relatively remember. And then I can go back to what I'm doing. I don't have to really pay attention, you know, or I'll watch basketball and I'll put it on mute. just I don't want to hear all the whistles and everything, but I'll just tap in and turn up and look at the score. And I'm right back doing what I'm doing just simply because 
I'm working, man. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working because I'm trying to build. I'm trying to create systems and something that works for me and my family that I could pass down. Mm -hmm. And then I want to share the knowledge. All right, mm-hmm. I'm out here killing it. You're doing it, B. You're not I'm trying. I'm out here killing it. I don't want you to and stop saying trying. And I got a six-figure business selling shoelaces. You are doing it right now. You killing do. it. You do. I was talking to somebody the there other day. There you go, day, man. And I, like, I got to wear some shoelaces straight up. Brag, I, but I, I got a six-figure six figure side hustle. And they were like, yeah, well, this one has that. And they were, they were kind of trying to like hate on me mm-hmm. a little bit. And I said, yeah, but they're selling $100 hoodies. I'm selling seven and eight dollar shoelaces, right? Come on now, hmm. come on now. But it's a simple fact that, yeah, you may have sold. And everybody needs the know, shoelaces. Ten thousand right? or whatever <laughs> to hit that number, but you know how many? You know how many shoelaces that is? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Speaking of shoelaces, man, it's yeah, your boy Prince for Peter MC. Bro. We thank you for being uh-huh. here. Go to www.getlacelaces.com and pick up some custom shoelaces Mm. for the holidays. They're the best stocking stuffers around. Also, make sure you grab some of our limited edition hoodies. We have some that say Unstoppable on the way. We Mm. have a new camo, a camo hoodie that's on the way. I ain't even seen it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's low. It's super low, but it's coming. It's coming soon. Be yeah, here next week. See that too. And fire. we we got a lot of things going on. Support a black business out the garage with it still. Okay. Also, another sponsor we still have my brother Okia for Shades. After you shop at yeah. lacelaces.com, make sure you slide on down to www.okiafashades.com and pick up some Okia for Shades, man. The summer will be here before you know it, and in California, mm-hmm. the sun is always shining, so you can always use a pair of shades. It don't matter. Support a black business. And last but definitely not least, back on myself, I have a course, A Parent's Guide to School Discipline. Within this course, you will learn everything you need to know about classroom suspensions, in-school suspensions, outside suspensions, and how to navigate that within the state of California. It also comes equipped with parent email templates, what to say, Mm -hmm. how to say it, and most importantly, who to send it to. All right there. It's very much plug and play. You copy, you paste, you put in what it is you need, you send it off, has everything that you need. And there's also school law on the back, the education code written in its original language for you to fully understand. So I reference it and it's right there for you. It's all there. Low, low price, $29.99. Get what you need for the culture, for the people. If you need it and the twenty nine ninety nine something you really can't Yo, commit please. to, shoot me an email. I'll push it out there for you. I don't even care. I just want the knowledge out. I want the knowledge out. So, yeah. And that's what I'm doing. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Come on now. I, man, you know how many parents are going to be benefiting mm-hmm. from just that? Just them. that. You know, just the idea of being mm-hmm. suspended. Uh, I mean, I ain't never been suspended because we didn't do that at the school, but... Uh, and my grandmother would have uh, beat me over the head. However, um, I know that that's right. going to be impactful for, mm-hmm. for parents, especially mm-hmm. because it's yeah. like, okay, well, what do we do now? And then like, how, how to, how to access those records, records da, 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 what to do with them when so you when you have them, oh, how often you should access, access these records, right. like everything. It's all right there. you know. And the email to access them. Mm-hmm. All you do is just copy, paste, insert your information, delete what you don't need, wow. send it off. That's how that works. I created that. 
Come on now. Come on now. Right. Also, I'm providing educational <laughs> like consultation. educational panther, at, bro. <laughs> so you can go to www, com. Yeah. pick up whatever it is that you need. And I got to send us off. And as always, I send us off with a quote. This here is a good one. And it says, that which giveth light must also endure burning. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Auntie Soul, Coley, Coley, Cole. And um, I'm going to see you soon. Thank you. Yeah. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Assistant Principal's Office with Principal P, the MC. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you here next time. There's someone you should definitely look up to.